0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Today's session is uh, one that we try to do from time to time. Uh, this is Hugh Ballou and co-host Russell David Dennis, who is with me every week and adds great value to the conversations. We are going to do a review of the, the weeks past. What's What were some of the value propositions that we need to pay attention to as leaders? What can we learn and how can we apply what we've learned? And then we're going to talk about some upcoming events ahead for you to put on your calendar and think about these are recurring events. You're probably listening to this podcast um, sometime in history that is not relevant to the current events we're talking about now. But the current events will grow, and you can certainly go to centervisionleadership.org, and we'll put that link into the podcast. Centervision is the name of our foundation centervisionleadership.org is our online community where people learn to collaborate. And at this, this recording, we're redoing it, updating it, and by the end of May, it will be um, updated to a, a higher standard and more engagement opportunities. Russell, thanks for being here on the show with me today. How are you?
1: I am uh, fabulous. It's great to be here again, and I love uh, the people that have shown up. And shared with us the, the principles that they operate by. And April was a very good month. We had a lot of great guests. Uh, Clay Needs kicked it off, uh, actually talking about sales. And you you know we don't think about sales in terms of running a nonprofit charity, but sales is solving problems. And when we look at it from that perspective it changes how we view it. And so the people that have come uh, have given us new perspectives. And that's what we look to do here at Cinevision is bring new and different perspectives to nonprofits. And our guest uh, last week, Ramal Toon, uh, came up with a, a, a term for nonprofits I love. He said, why not call them for purpose? Organizations? mm, mm. That was a game changer, wasn't it? I love that. I just thought that was brilliant, and it's something that I hadn't came up with. But uh, we really, if we look at it in those terms, uh, we we sort of changed that perspective. And so I think sometimes terminology that we've gotten used to gets in the way of what we're trying to do. And it was, uh, I believe it was Steve Farber who was on our program a few months back. That said, nonprofit is a tax status, not a strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite interesting. So, um, it's been a few months. We we jump in here and we um we we talk about the lessons learned and we review this and we encourage people to move into the space and ap- apply some of these these things. And 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 so I'm looking back, uh, Russ, and it's been. Um, wow it's been at least 2 or 3 months since we've uh we've had a review session like this um so let me let's pick it up you mentioned that april was a banner month um let's go back further than that cuz there were some significant sessions before that and i think we could even go back to the beginning of of uh the last 90 days the first part of uh 2018 and we started out with um, revenue generation programs by this guy named Russell David Dennis and you talked about some revenue generation programs and I think it's only fair to lift up the skill set that you bring to the table and it's specifically from your background of working in a nonprofit and working in IRS that you understand the revenue generation piece. So tell us a little bit about what programs you have that are offered through your portal but also through the CenterVision portal. What what
1: programs do you have that are self-study programs that people could take advantage of? Well, the first program that I created was four steps to building a high-performance nonprofit, And that involves looking at four things, of course. Starting with a solid foundation of who you are and who you're trying to serve. Building effective action plans is that second step. Uh, The third piece is staying on track and that's measuring everything you do. And the fourth piece is communicating the value that you bring to the table. So it's a full process where you look at your organization pretty much from start to where you are at this current time and see what pieces you have in place and what pieces you need. And it's really all about building a strategy. Now, my latest course is on the Thinkific platform. That's building solid fundraising plans. And it talks about the strategy of raising the money. So this is important to know how much it costs what's the investment to deliver the services and then strategically go after that money. And so these courses are laid out there to help you um, actually do that and and go step by step by step. And it's a great 30,000 foot overview and uh, it's a great place to start and get the details you need.
0: Uh, I'm so grateful for that, that short overview. Um, and on the new um, new platform that we have for Center Vision, we have a, a learning portal for, for people to look at all the different programs, and they're continually growing. We, we then went to how to get the most out of 2018 with our, our friend Mark S.A. Smith, who, who – um, he's the author of 13 books and sales guides – and authored more than 400 magazine articles. He's a guerrilla marketing uh, guru, and he gave us the the four, the five, actually top trends for the year, and we'll see those play out throughout the year. I'm sure. Uh, omnichannel, how members consume you anywhere, anywhere. Uh, how the growing economy creates monetary opportunities. We do bury our hand in the sand sometimes as these. the the downward thinking of the word nonprofit, the impact of higher employment on your volunteer force and how to pivot to get all you need, new leadership demands, what's changing and how to stay out in front. And I find that the leaders that have coaches that are constantly working on themselves um, lead uh, a better high performing organization. And then the fifth one, turning unrest into peace, how to divorce, your organization from the media's promotion of outrage. you remember that really good session with Mark?
1: I do. I mean, you know, one of the gems that I I think if, if there's one gem that really stood out with that, it was in regards to why people work with you. And one quote that he made was that people say yes because your request is in alignment with who they are. So this is really about knowing your customer and knowing who your tribe is and constantly having touch points and being present where your tribe is present. This was the, the key message around where do you put your message or where do you reach out to? That's all dependent upon where your folks are, where your tribe is. And he was really, uh, he really emphasized that. And that was a great, uh, a great thing that he offered us, and he had a seven-step uh, process for transformation that was really great. Uh, and he walked us through those. Uh, there were some belief stages and manifestation stages, as he called them. Do you remember those, Hugh?
0: I do, and in, in, in the um, when you get the podcast, it's um, the non-profit exchange wherever you get your podcast. The most downloads we get are from um, the iTunes store. And then um, when you go there, there's copy in the podcast notes. Uh, There's a transcript of it and you can go to the nonprofitexchange.org, the nonprofitexchange.org. And it will take you directly to the page uh, on the center vision website where we've posted the videos. And so if you want to watch the video again, certainly you can go there and I'm just going to continue stepping us through. And, um, if you have more notes, please slow me down. But the, the, the role of creating 20 million jobs with, with, uh, Chuck, Chuck Vollmer, who's the founder of job enomics. very, very clever word. And it's, it was specifically about how do we as leaders in this, this, uh, for-purpose world, <clears throat> social benefit world, um, uh, social capital world, how do we uh, work to create jobs, to do economic development, to do the grassroots movements that make a difference in the communities? There are things that governments cannot do that the non-governmental agencies like, like we lead uh, can do and do well. And so it's looking for those, and maybe some partnerships. And he he's bridging the, the gaps with the the private and public partnerships and some of the jobonomics um, projects around the country. That was a very inspiring session. And when um, I'm always appreciative of you being on as co-host because you've done your homework and you you had some really good um, questions for Chuck. So what's your memory of the uh, Chuck founder, Chuck Volmer? the founder of Jobonomics. What's your memory of that interview?
1: You know, I think the thing that struck me about Chuck, because I met him a few years back at CEO Space, and it was just the the very first time I started looking uh, at the work and his approach to things, it started off with taking a whole different view of how to measure the economy and the effectiveness of efforts to create employment. And... Chuck is also, he's a, he's a man that has a, a, an affinity toward the environment and keeping that clean. And he started a, a businesses uh, that specialized in green projects. And he managed to bring it all together and say, let's create thousands of micro-businesses to give people opportunities. Mm-hmm. To make good livings mm-hmm. while we're solving some of the environmental problems and some of the problems in the inner the city, let's bring nonprofits, uh, businesses, and government together as a group to uh, create synergistic approaches that none of us could do on our own. And it's just brilliant. And he's done a lot of great work in Baltimore, Maryland. He's had some some success. And uh, so he's out there cranking away and he has a different view of the economy. And these reports are coming out quarterly. So if you haven't read anything from Jobonomics, I would check out that website uh, and and look at the work that he's putting out there.
0: It is very scholarly work. So jobonomics.com is his website. And that's the interview Jobonomics Update. Um, that was in the middle of January 2018, January 16th. And then we moved to doing assessments. Juliet Clark was our guest on the 23rd of January in um, building community and doing assessment marketing. And Russell, you're, you're very consistently reminding us that when we're talking about people serving in, on our board or as volunteers, we're asking people to donate we really want to know what they're interested in and you keep bringing that front and center and so julia juliet helps people publish books and market those but she builds the tribe while they're writing the book and so people are going to expect the book when it comes out and she she creates that relationship with the people that matter it's people who are going to donate people are going to serve in in the charity so but I, I really thought the, the paradigm of let's talk to people and let's assess where their interests are. And then through that thread, we're building relationships. And, and I find that people want to go straight to the money. We've got this great work we do. That's our mental capital, our intellectual property, our, our, what we do. This is what we have. And we go direct to the money, give us money so we can do this without doing that interim step of building the relationship. That's that's the big deal that matters, so building the relationship. do you have other memories of Juliet and her her session?
1: Well, yes, because we got so many different people together, so what Juliet really uh the way that she views her work is building communities, so you're bringing all these people together in different areas from different platforms, and looking at the best way to bring these people together to communicate your message out there. Stay in touch, keep them apprised of what you're doing and keep them engaged, it's about community. And that was Juliet's uh, central message. She's got some wonderful tools for doing that. I actually sat through a session uh, with her where she talked about how to do that. And it's, uh, it's, it's remarkable and I love the work she's doing. Uh, I follow her on Facebook. She puts great material out there. She's always delivering value and tips on how to go about building community and to keep those connections going strong.
0: Absolutely. And then we went, um, we just, we've had one really great interview after another. So part of what we're doing today is pausing because we've really pushed out a lot of great content. And we want to bring your attention to the value of that content and how it can make such a difference uh wherever it is that you lead. And our mutual friend um Sharita Herring, I'm swear she's like my sister, uh Russ. We've had a different mother, but she's she's um she and I have had a, a really strong relationship since we first met. And she is the queen of nonprofits. And her motto is you are your only limitation. And oh, I love that. And in that interview, there were some points that we listed on the site. What motivated you to work in this industry? Um, did you come out of corporate America? If so what motivated you to want to change sides? Um, most people are unaware of the, of the impact in this whole area of non-governmental uh, agencies like we're, we're leading. We call it nonprofit cause people understand that's what we're talking about. Um, for nonprofits that have not been successful in their pursuits for grants, what strategies? We looked at that, you know, why aren't we getting grants? Well, let's let's look at that. And can a nonprofit make profit? Well, how else are you going to exist if you don't have some money left over to, to pay for things? So, Russell, what's your
1: memory of Sharita's Great Session? Sherita's all about putting the right systems and the right people together. She has had a remarkable career where she has launched or assisted in the launch of countless organizations. She's helped everyone from ordinary people to celebrities and pro athletes put nonprofits together. And she talks about ways to do that effectively. And I met her at CEO space at one of my first trips there. And I was looking to change careers from uh, an auditor at Internal Revenue Service. And, uh, you know, she inspired me along with you to move into this space and work with nonprofit entities. Uh, I had had a heart for it, but I thought, yes, well, what can I do based on what I've learned to help people get better? And Sherita's been someone I've learned an awful lot from. Uh, she has the knowledge, she has marketing knowledge, a lot of teaching skills. She is a member of our team here at Centervision, And uh, just it was just brilliant to talk with her about some of the systems that people need. And what I love about her is how she can take someone that may have absolutely no knowledge or may be afraid and encourage them to step into their heart space because you can do these things. And what we teach people as a collective here at Center Vision is that you don't have to do any of this stuff by yourself. Uh, It's all about team building, collaboration, and creating a community. And sharita has been on the cutting edge of showing people how to do that.
0: And you're so spot on. Um, I find over and over, that, that nonprofit founders and executive directors, presidents, the person that's actually in the hot seat gets overburdened with things to do because they didn't create the right systems and didn't ask other people to participate. And we think we have to do it all, and we don't, and, and that's the downward spiral. The next two interviews, I did one solo and you did one solo. We uh, were at different places, so I, uh, I did an on-site interview with uh, Bishop William Williman at Duke Divinity School in North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina. He's a retired Methodist bishop and has like 70 books. Wow. I think 60 are currently in print. And I did an on-site interview with him um, at uh, Duke Divinity School, and it was pretty profound. He is turning out the leaders in the Methodist Church and some other churches. And he's he said, without good leadership, nothing happens. And it was a pretty profound interview. I, I, uh, we, we talked about some people we knew in common, and we also talked about he was the bishop that, uh, that was over the church where I served in North Alabama for the, the last few years. I was there were his first two, uh, two years, I guess, in that, that, um, that, that North Alabama conference. And he made some profound impact in, in that whole culture in his, his uh, two, two trienniums that so he was there eight years as, as bishop. So I got to know him there and was privileged to have him not only for this interview, but then he came to the Center Vision Leadership uh, Empowerment Symposium in Lynchburg on this year, March 20, and presented and, and led a group discussion. And we had a panel discussion. So we, we had a lot of people in the room that were really, really um, stepped up their leadership. He's talking specifically about leadership in churches. And as you may be very well aware of, we're in a crisis of, of losing members in most of our mainline denominations. And I do believe it's a, it's a result of um, gaps in leadership. And so I did that one solo, and I, I it is well worth Reviewing and listening, if you're stepping into or you're stuck in, in leading your church, I think some of the same dynamics would work for a synagogue because some of the same principles exist. He's specifically talking about Christian churches. and then you did a, a, you did a, um, an interview the following week. I had a meeting with the mayor in Lynchburg and couldn't be there for that, but it was about the new movie, which is now live on Netflix, or well, yes, it was live in April. On Netflix with Netflix with Bishop um, Carlton Pearson is called "Come Sunday." So, share what what was that? What was that about?
1: Well, you know, Bishop Pearson uh, came into an enlightenment of his own, and he ran into some trouble with some of the church leadership as his thinking began to expand. And he he shifted into what he called an expanded consciousness of the ministry, uh, because it was all about reinventing and repositioning himself in the church. Uh, I think the term he used for himself was sacred activist and spiritual progressive. Uh, And he's all about strong justice and peace. Carlton is speaking all over the world to all sorts of uh, uh, spiritual organizations, uh, and he's talking about inclusion within the church. Whatever your practice, it's, it's, there's this movement where people are looking to expand their consciousness. I've certainly been swept up in, that, my, in my own way. And uh, he's all about inclusion. And this movie about him is called Endgame. Uh, it's uh it's uh it's produced by Endgame game and npr and the title of the movie is come sunday so look for that on netflix but you know he served as an uh, associate evangelist for oral roberts and he was on that board of regents for oral roberts university for 15 years and so he was exposed to a lot of uh reverend ike and a lot of the uh early televangelists, and, uh, you know, that was part of how he came up, but his approach to spirituality and, and Christianity, it all grew and evolved, and uh, he talked about how we, we set these artificial limits for himself, so it's a very uplifting uh, uh, interview. Uh, I was certainly inspired by it. And it's about breaking out of these limits that we set for ourselves as leaders. Maybe let's think about how we can be a little bit more inclusive and do things that are a little bit different. And uh, the message that I got from him there is that life begins on the edge of our comfort zone.
0: It does. And then we went from there to Christian LaFerre, who um, understands the dynamics of uh, not registering for compl- it's a compliance piece. We need to register with with whatever state that people are donating money to our, our nonprofit, and so it's it's a paradigm that was an eye opener for me because there's lots of reasons we need to register as as soliciting charitable donations, and so even a passive donate button or a Facebook share button um, are we're required because we're, we're raising money. So it was, that was an eye, opening segment there. And I'm, I'm going to step us through cause we, we got a lot to cover yet and we don't want to, I don't want to run over the hour for people. The, um, I made a trip to Raleigh, North Carolina. We had a, an interview, uh, in 2017 with Ray Buchanan, who formed several nonprofits and the the one that most people may have heard of is Rise Against Hunger was formed as Stop Hunger Now. They rebranded a few years ago because they couldn't use that brand in every country where they operated and they operate worldwide. And Russell, their, their vision statement is to end hunger in our lifetime. And this is a case where the founder really fought the board. And, and it came to light in this interview with the, the current executive director, Rod Brooks. And Rod um, succeeded uh, Ray. Ray now lives in Lynchburg and has retired from this organization and does independent. Well, he's a wayfinder like, like we are in CenterVision now. And, and he, he is a non-voting board member, but a very – he's the face of the organization when there's big events. He shows up to talk about his vision. This is a great example of succession planning. Yes, we're the founder. Yes, it's our vision. But how do we start something that's going to continue without us? And uh, Rob talks about that and how he took over and how they busted up the fallacy that the current person in the position cannot hire their replacement. Uh, Ray was very active. And it wasn't a straight line. It wasn't without bumps, it was um, a negotiated transfer of authority, and and so he speaks very openly about that and how valuable it was to have the founder by your side when you're taking on this new big job. And as we're sitting here, 2018, they're gonna they're gonna package 78 million meals in addition to teach, teaching people how to be self sufficient in doing fisheries and farming and all the ways that they need to learn about creating. Uh, ways to create food for the communities they live in, but they're on their way to doing 300 million meals and ending ending hunger. And the board fought the founder and his vision until um, the UN said we're gonna we're gonna cut hunger in half by 2015, and they met the goal. And their new goal was to end hunger. So the the there's more than one organization out there that's. Has a passion for feeding people. What did you take away from this this, um, this this story about this huge? It's in Raleigh, but they have 150 employees all over the country because there's organizations that that come together and pack these meals, which is engaging people in this work, which could be automated. But it's so important that people show up and do this. What did you take away from this this Rise Against Hunger
1: interview? Well, what I love about the work that they do is the ability to mobilize volunteers. I've got a man here locally, Travis Smith of Impact Locally, who's expanded his work with homelessness and serving the homeless to 11 cities. And he's headquartered here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, another person is Susan Elizabeth Lee, who started the Sock It To Him Sock campaign. Mm-hmm. he has got sock ambassadors all over the world. And so to start something globally, the thing I love about it is that good leaders understand what they can and can't do, and they build other leaders. And at some point, there's a shift that takes place from a new organization where it's founded, to an ongoing, growing operation, and there has to be a shift in the approach to doing things, and they demonstrate how that how to do make that shift successfully, and grow and not lose the character of the vision, but to grow in effectiveness and and uh, and the, the the level of impact that they're delivering. So I just thought that was that was a phenomenal interview. I was, uh, I was there when we talked to Ray. We talked to Ray last year. Uh, I love that chat that we had with Rod, and I think they're doing phenomenal work. Uh, there's an organization here that I'm working with uh, that we want to plug into Center who are working on eliminating hunger. I do food bank deliveries most Saturdays myself, and it's a very satisfying thing to try to eliminate hunger. And there are a lot of agencies, restaurants and supermarkets, who by health regulations, they it's astounding how much food they throw away. And there's no need. We're living in the world's breadbasket. There's no need because there's enough. There, nobody should go to bed hungry on any given night. And so I love the charge that they have. And, and I love being a part of that.
0: Oh, wasn't that yeah, and it's it's heartwarming to know the people are working so hard and engaging others in organizations all over the globe in in fighting hunger. They're just, just pulling it together and in, in just the most magazine, I mean most most magnificent way. Magazine I was thinking about our magazine. Um, we don't have a sponsor for this this episode, but the nonprofit performance magazine, if you go to nonprofitperformance.org you won't find a better journal on leadership uh, than you find in our magazine that you've written for. Now we went to, we've got um, another bishop here. We had Bishop Williman and Bishop uh, Pearson. Now we have Bishop Younger and he's here in Lynchburg and it was about his vision. He's a pastor at the Ramp Church International. I mean there's 17 or so churches, 15 churches in this conglomerate all over the globe but he's got it. He's on the go all the time, and he came by here, and we actually did this interview in my living room. And um, he's power packed, power packed energy at the Ramp Church, and he was at the um, Leadership Empowerment Symposium in Lynchburg and participated in a panel on how do we come together and collaborate in the community. So, what stands out to you? I mean, he he really loved. The fact that you landed a couple of zinger questions on him—he, I told him to expect it—but you're so kind that all of a sudden you gave him a real hard one. He said, "Yeah, Hugh, you were you were you were right on." So Bishop Younger is a visionary leader. What stands
1: out from that interview with you? Well, it's this—it's this, it's this uh, desire to go out here and really approach things from how can we do things better. And how do we make ourselves better so that we're more effective at serving other people? And that I towards growing the community, that I towards being uh, growing and understanding and effectiveness ourselves to pass that on the people that we serve is something that characterized him. He's a brilliant young man who, uh, it's just remarkable how quickly he built that community and how large it's become and how effective they become at serving others.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. Thank you for that. I just, um, it's quite remarkable. He is a remarkable leader right here in our community and so active. Then we went, um, this one doesn't have a date on it. Oddly. Steve Dury is, is a very successful businessman. And he's starting um, a nonprofit. He's actually coming uh, tomorrow to be with me. We're doing his strategy and board development. We're laying down the front piece. I find that leaders that do that before they start running and, and running trying to run something that nobody knows where they're going, the fact they lay down a roadmap um, is a really important piece of success. And what we do at Center Vision uh, Russell is we create the pathway so that people don't have to worry about what comes next. We take all that worry out. You install our system in in your culture, and then it doesn't run on autopilot. But you steer the process, and then you adjust it to the specific needs of of your program. It, it's not a, um, a it's a template for thinking. It's not a it's not a box that we put people on that you have to do this this way but there's a whole sequence of implementation and I find a lot of people are afraid of doing the wrong thing so they do nothing or Mm -hmm. or things are creeping out of control or we don't know how to generate revenue because we've not done things in order and the biggest one is we don't have a board that engages and Steve talks about in this the part we skip over the background checks. And he said it's alarming and in his experience how many, how many of these nonprofit organizations are for-purpose organizations hire people without really knowing. We think about we want to see about their misbehavior as a pedophile or something, but we also want to do a character check. You know, What is their profile, their demeanor? Are they going to really fit the culture? So in, in his methodology of doing background checks, um, it covers a lot of stuff, and it really—we think it's an expense. I and mean, maybe we can cut some expenses because we're we're thinking scarcity because we've got that nonprofit word. And like our friend Theon Gordon talked about, we're the only industry in the world that defines ourselves by what we are not. And that's not fair. So what I learned with this background check piece with with Steve was quite amazing. What are you
1: remembering? It's very important for nonprofits to protect themselves. Very important, you know. Uh, a lot of times we're working hands-on with people. It's especially important for organizations that are working with youth. So there's all kind of liabilities around, uh, and it's it's really risk mitigation. It's no different than insurance to mitigate the risk that you're. Uh, that you're up against. He's got a system that's effective, that won't break the bank, that makes sure that you you take a look at some of the most critical things when it comes to bringing people on board, whether they're board members or employees, day-to-day people, vendors. You know, this We think in terms of what we spend money for, are the vendors that your nonprofit works with who they say they are? Oh yeah. so there's thousands of dollars in all sorts of risks that you can save uh, by by doing all of these things up front. You know, there are just these questions that we're afraid of because starting up and running a nonprofit or hitting the growth stage, there are many there are many phases of the whole process that can be scary, but it's a systematic process the the 22-point strategic framework that's been developed by Cinevision that you talked about that roadmap mm-hmm. it's very extensive and the board members who look at that and a lot of people may say some of this stuff is intimidating but this is where you bring in people like Christian lefer yeah after you've developed your strategy you bring in people like Christian lefer you bring in people like Steve Dury to help you make sure you're staying on track and that you've got everything in place that you need to protect yourself and operate efficiently. And uh, really, our processes are a lot of work. But when you do this work up front, you're working smarter and not harder from that point on. And you're actually getting traction and, and you're more effective at what you're doing. So. I think that what we're doing is very helpful to people.
0: Yeah, there's really significant points in each of these that people can apply right away and get traction. You started out with highlighting Clay Neves. Um, we've, you already covered some of that. But we are having to always overcome the fear of asking for donations and not knowing how to do it. He puts it in his personal sales dynamics perspective. And we're selling a concept. We're not asking for money. We're not begging for money. It's not for us. Get over it. We're giving people an opportunity to provide value and actually put something behind their passion and to see a difference. So uh, unless you have another note on Clay,
1: I want to move on. Do you? Well, the, the big thing, you know, when we talk to them about the challenge that people have, asking for that support is sort of that conviction that the donors and sponsors are, uh, are supporting us because it's a one-way transaction. We're showing up on the doorstep with hat in hand. And that's not the case. The nonprofits bring value, uh, they're bringing a skill set and expertise and knowledge of the people they serve to help solve a problem that that donor and sponsor uh, wanna have solved. And so it's a partnership, not a handout. And so that view is the thing that Clay challenged. And it's it's really looking at it from a sales standpoint. That's what a business does. A nonprofit is another business. So sales is about telling people how you solve problems that matter to them. And uh, so that was the big takeaway from that session for me.
0: Yeah. And... Um... We we um, then interviewed our mutual friend Dana Olivio Olivo Olivo, and um, seven steps to building an awesome customer donor relations program. We we treat our tribe poorly. They give us money, and we don't talk to them until we need money again. And so, how to build the infrastructure around this? Create this this the touch points for our donors. And then she, she gives you seven steps and it's really quite brilliant. And it's embedded in the, um, in the interview and in the, the narrative that goes with the podcast. If you download it from the iTunes store, you can look and all of the, the transcription from the interview is there. And she's got, she's got a win-win strategy here. And it's, it's, uh, one, it's a stepwise process. Um, so that's, that was good.
1: You remember, the Dana interview? You know, the, thing, the two things that she talked about most were uh, building that infrastructure. That, that was what she talked about. And she says that the purpose of that infrastructure is to create an experience. This is what draws sponsors and donors. We're creating an experience for these folks. And you know those seven steps. She she broke it down to service, <laughs> and so that's really worth going to listen to if you did not have a chance to see that. Uh, what are these things? These seven steps to building that relationship. Well, what you're doing should be scalable. You focus on the essential information. Uh, It should be relatable your work. You should relate to the donors. What motivates them? Uh, It needs to be valuable. You've got to deliver great service and keep a high level of engagement with your donors. So the time to talk to them isn't just when you want money, but it's to talk to them about how what they're doing to support you is impacting the lives of others and always thanking them, always reminding them, always keeping them informed where and how they want to be informed. Uh, It's involvement, you know. uh, Then there's credibility, creating that trust through transparency, integrity, consistency. And then the E in services for expect or expectations is to build that belief of what you can do and find out what people want more of, what do they want to see. So it's always keeping a pulse on what's important to the people that are paying for those services. So uh, it's really great. And she goes into more detail than I just did. But that's a podcast that's worth going to because donations, individual donations in many forms, make up uh, over 70% of the support that most charities uh, get. So I know there's a lot of emphasis on grants and other sources of funding. This is the biggie. And if you don't get this right, you you could find yourself on life support. So there's a whole science to uh, donation. If you go to that Thinkific platform that we're gonna put in the notes, uh, I have a, a free short course on creating a devoted donor base. And that'll give you some general information on, on that. But Dana has uh, a lot of expertise and experience uh, specifically on donors. So you'll wanna to listen to that podcast that was on april 10th that was our our second broadcast of the month so go to the itunes store and look for the nonprofit exchange you can also go on the youtube and search for Cinevision leadership and subscribe to the youtube channel those are two ways to to get this because we've got you know since this broadcast started up we've had some excellent uh, business and thought leaders who've come on to talk to us about things that are important for growing your nonprofit. So you'll wanna subscribe, you'll wanna go into some of these uh, uh, old broadcasts. We've got topics on everything ranging from your, your relationship with money to how to improve yourself internally to become more effective at, at leading your teams within your organization and serving your community. So there's a lot of value here made possible by a lot of great sponsors uh, and, uh, that that uh, support our work here. So uh, please avail yourself of these podcasts and go in here. We're gonna continue to go out and find thought leaders that, uh, that can bring you the latest uh, information on ways to make both your organization and yourself more effective.
0: Yeah, and we um, our interviews are under an hour. Just a technical point, Russell. The um, the the April tenth was the interview live interview with Dana, and it goes live on the podcast the following Sunday. So that was April fifteenth, and we got two more in five minutes. So I think we can get through the rest of these. Barry Shore, he went from. Being totally paralyzed. To now, he's he's. How far did he say he swam? Um, Six thousand miles or something? Some. It's,
1: it's, um, it's thousands of miles, and that's a that's a great interview. Uh, and I love how he talks about becoming a giver and how he defined being a giver. Uh, a giver who is somebody who puts others first. How do I benefit others? And that goes beyond just writing a check. It's so deep at an emotional level, you know. And adversity has been something that showed him a path to create transformation in the lives of other people. I love his platform. He's got three criteria for being a service to others and, and making something powerful and effective. Uh, The first thing is it's got to be easy to use. Uh, The second thing is it's got to be fast. It's got to be fun. And the third thing is it's got to be free. There's no cost to people to support uh, each uh, other. So you'll want to listen to that broadcast and find out about his platform, Delighted.com, and how you may be able to support organizations that matter to you using that. I love the power and simplicity in the approach because he talked about three things, having something that's mobile, making use of gift certificates, and having it be digital. So when when we lay a path for people that makes it easy for them to support us, they're much more likely to do that. So please make sure you give that podcast a listen.
0: Easy was important to me. And then the last one was uh, just, just last week, Romal Toon, amazing speaker, amazing resonance with what we believe in and, 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 and Centervision. He's gone through a trauma of healing as a man. He talked about us, the, men, the manly men, and how when we go through our healing and get released from what's holding us back, the impact, profound impact of life, leadership, and legacy that was a game changer for me, that interview last week. What do you think?
1: I think that he was really spot on when he said that we've got to go to those wounded places of discomfort to show us what we need to step into our power and to become great. And that whole discussion was on how to become more effective as a leader to, be, to have the courage to be vulnerable. And the key point, the one thing that he said is you you can't take anyone where you haven't been. That was the remark that he made that stood out to me. So it's all about uh, becoming the type of leader that inspires visions and brings people along. And that's what a lot of you people are doing out there. You are inspiring people, but we want to get you the tools to help you bring others along in a way that's going to make a difference for more people.
0: And we continue to offer live events, and leadershipworkshop.org is a listing of where the next live events are going to be. We've done uh, 27 of the one-day Leadership Empowerment Symposium events around the country. Now we're going back in June 2018, we'll be in Fero Beach. In August, we'll be in San Diego, California. And we're looking at Denver and Salt Lake City and Chicago again. We're going to come back with an advanced session. And it's, it's an advanced power session, and there'll be three-hour sessions. The one session is um, integrating strategy and performance. We fail because we got a piece of paper and we don't know how to connect it with all of the, the stakeholders in the organization. What do they do when, and how is that the basis for driving revenue? Then the second advanced workshop is the funding workshop. How do we create those eight pathways of regular recurring funding that enable us to do the work that we're called to do. And Russ, we have we have um, shared the whole time, and it's time is up, but you've brought great detail to all the work and the value that we've brought to people. And we want to encourage people to go to thenonprofitexchange.org, look at these, and go to the nonprofit exchange, the nonprofit exchange, wherever you get your podcast, and subscribe. It is well worth it. This is just the last three months. We've been doing this for going on four years now. And there's a great, it's a vault, a knowledge vault of really good information. So we encourage you, subscribe to the Nonprofit Exchange. And we'll see you here on the next session, won't we,
1: Russ? We'll be here next week, same bat time, same bat channel. And we look forward to bringing you more thought leaders uh, who are out there trying to make a difference. Thanks for being here. Take care.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.